Hello there, podcast listeners and uh, podcast viewers, because we Hello have all. audio, video, and all, all the spectrum in between audio and video. Yeah, that's right. Thank God they can't smell. Yeesh. I'm running shower low today, folks. TMI. My name is Randall Lobb. I'm the writer, director, producer of Definitive Films, Faux Pop Culture, Faux Pop Media's resident uh, comic guy. And I'm also the uh, co-owner of the Faux Pop Station here. It's a so lovely station. With me today place, is... Uh, I'm Ryan Buckley, and I'm from the Comics and Cocktails podcast. I'd also like to use this opportunity to announce my candidacy for President of the United States. It's about time. It's about time. I got some ideas. You probably already, right now, have more legitimacy to the throne mm -hmm. than some of the people running. I'm thinking about putting pop in the water fountains. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. So this podcast is not about American politics, disappointing as that is. What we're it's talking about, about comics. <laughs> we're talking today about key issue comics. Now, for those people at home who don't know what that is, we're going to go into a, a little bit of a detail about that. For those of you that do know, you wrestle with this every time you try to get caught up on titles that you want to read. And you might say, oh, I love this new Batman 49 or whatever I just picked up. I'm going to go mm -hmm. back and get Great one book. all the way up. Exactly. And then you go to find those comics and you realize, why is this one $65? Yeah. You just or why bumped. is this one hard as hell to find? That's right. So you just bumped into the key issue problem. And we want to introduce people to the key issue idea. This is a podcast about those key issues. It's a podcast about collecting and finding which comics are the ones you want to hang on to. Mm -hmm. We might make some recommendations, but we're mostly just following where the industry's already going and talking about that, right? Yeah, for sure. And like the biggest thing that we're going to talk about today is what makes it a key issue. Like, why are some of these issues hard to find? Why are they expensive? Um, and uh, there's a number of different reasons for that. And it's often the same reasons that come up again and again. And you've identified it mm -hmm. with some of the ones that you brought here. So why don't we start with that first? So, Ryan, what's one of the first key issue types of comics. For sure. Well, it's the most obvious one would be the first appearance. Uh, what that is, is that's the first comic where we were introduced to a character. Um, and now that we're in this world of the cinematic universe where the films are doing so well, um, it's really amped up the value. So I got an example. Mm -hmm. right? Here's a good example. So we'll pop this up here. So this is Uncanny X-Men number 266, uh, written by the great Chris Claremont. Uh, and it introduces to a character... The Raging Cajun, everybody's favorite, Gambit. Gambit. The creepiest X-Men of all time, no? <laughs> Etro Descartes, yeah? Yeah. Etro Descartes. So, do you remember when this one came out? Mm, late 80s? Mm-hmm. Late oh. 80s, early 90s? Oh, wait. Late August. Oh, sorry. It came out in the late Augusts. I remember when this came out, and um, a couple things that hit me about this. This was the young Aurora. Mm-hmm. So there's a few comics I can't remember now. You're in the X-Men world right now, and I'm, it's been so long since I've read it. Uh, can you just give us a little bit of the background to this? Oh, man, it's been a while since I've read this. I'm rereading them all. Right. Uh, so my personal collection right now, I'm really trying to get every Chris Claremont uh, X-Men book, and I've got, I think, maybe 40 or so left to buy. 
and they're all the more expensive ones. Of course, um, but but so this my one reading, I'm not quite up here. So okay, I, but I don't want to like uh, guess. But well, just to say then, what happens is there's an ongoing storyline, right? And it's you know X Men. There's lots of time travel, and you can go anywhere in an X Men storyline. X Men storyline, but. This character, I don't know if they would have predicted that he would become as popular as he was. Nobody could have known. There's not no, a lot of drum roll into this. No, I don't think so. He was more of like a plot device for to reveal a deeper layer of mm-hmm. Storm's character. And like, because he was sort of a thief and a street mm-hmm. child. And so they wanted to play on that. Uh, but he really resonated with people. And, mm-hmm. uh, for some reason. I think he kind of like after 1992 when that X-Men cartoon came out. That may be when mm. his kind of uh, his fame kind of catapulted at that point. Yeah, and what's this going for right now? So we we can just quickly look, and that's one of the secrets that we have is I'm we're going with the doctor internet. We're going to internet it up. <laughs> so if you go to eBay right now and you want to find this two sixty six, I can see right now uh, an unslabbed like this eighty bucks U S. But slabbed and on the higher end, it might be 180, 190 US for a 9.6. Again, most people know what slabbed means. I have an example here. Mm-hmm. And this is a slabbed comic. Wow. There's a Star Wars 1, another first, first appearance, funny enough. So And when a number one. So obviously, number ones are another key issue. Yeah, I guess I just, yeah, that's, I shouldn't have even. I shouldn't have even used this one yet. Oh, that's a good one. This is an example of a slab comic. However, you can see, for those of you that know, you're probably laughing because we're talking about this is a PGX slab comic. So what they do is they grade the comic, for those that don't know, and then you have a relative grade based on all kinds of aspects about the, the very uh, minute elements yeah, of crazy. the way it looks. So you might have some mold here, which is called foxing. You might have some breakage in the spine along here and some bending and somebody might have written the most common thing that you see that you hate is someone takes a marker and puts it inside the yeah. white letters. This exact title, someone did that. I'm sure I did it in 1977. But this is an example of the slabbed. But let's just to go back and talk about the first of a, of a hero. So when you have a hero's first, and you might want to... Yeah, here's a good Yeah, one. a good example. So this is a weird one because it's an Avengers comic. And it's actually an annual. So um, annuals, like the name suggests, they come out usually once a year. It's kind of an extra. Usually it's maybe a little bit longer. Uh, the storyline may not be part of the current story. Um, so what's interesting about this is this is the first appearance of Rogue of the X-Men. And uh, I love this cover. There's so much stuff going yeah. on in here. You can zoom. It's the classic Stan Lee. See, Captain America totally defeated. Yeah. Observe Spider-Woman's daring midnight rescue. To me, this one, I I said this to Ryan earlier. I remember this. I I have it too. And it looks like a yearbook. And that was the laugh for me. It made me think of when you would have a yearbook class, you'd have the the different picks and then come up with the best caption you can. Yeah. But one thing I hate about this, look at the blob's face. I've always hated that. (laughs) It's bothered me from day one. Can Can we just sort of highlight the blob's face? It's, he's a him. blob. He is a blob. Look at his stupid face. I don't like that. And that's Milgram. That's a Milgram cover, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, Milgram. So I think when you're doing a cover like this, if I was a, uh, an artist, I would say, oh, God, it's too many, too many characters. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's an annoying cover to have to do, I would think. 
But again, it's a classic example of first character and that idea of the first character, you, you can't know which one's going to catch and which one's right. not going to catch. There's one you have over there that really caught. You go to that one and then I'll show another one in a minute here. This one here? Yeah. There's one other cool thing on here. If you look, doesn't it look like Hawkeye's trying to shoot Professor X in the leg? <laughs> yeah. with an arrow? He won't feel it though. Yeah, it's kind of, I don't know, it's a warning shot. Here's another one. So this is the real cream of my uh, X-Men collection now starting. A, so any Claremont uh, burn collaboration, those are my favorites right now. And this is uh, right at the beginning of the Dark Phoenix saga. So it has that. Um, but it is the first appearance of a couple of characters. So it's the first mention, I think, of the Hellfire Club. I think you see Sebastian Shaw. Uh, you see Emma Frost, the White Queen, and also Kitty Pride. Um, and so Kitty Pride went on to be an incredibly important character in the X-Men. And I don't think when this came out, anybody had any idea how big she was going to be and how important. And, uh, I think, oh God, nobody could. And you were saying it too, like that Claremont is a writer. I think he used her, um, in a great way, like as a plot device to be, she's like the innocent observer. Totally. Uh, So we kind of view the action and what's going on with the X-Men through her eyes. And I think that way, um, all the... You know, the people who are like fanboys at that time reading it, like there was two things that like it spoke to their innocence and they they had that lens. And she was like a cute girl. I think she's a crush. I totally thought that at the time. Now, when this when this run came out, I remember really getting into that storyline and I can see why these become key issues because she's so baked into so many important mm-hmm. things that have happened over the X-Men storylines over the years that you want to go back and see that first time that she shows up and it becomes very important. Again, with this one, um, I don't know if it's huge value. Like, what would it go for? Would you guess, Ryan? This one? Yeah. I don't know, maybe 40 bucks? Yeah, good guess. So you, you see some at uh, 25, unslabbed. You see around 40 bucks and 50 mm. and all that. But a, a slabbed high-end one is probably going to be about 140 I would guess. Yeah, yeah there's a 9.0 that's 114 115 Yeah, 300 bucks for a 9.6. Wow. Now, I, I would say that yours is really good. It's a really nice one. Mm-hmm. And you probably White paid, pages. did you pay 25 or 30 for it maybe? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and that's a, good, that's a great comic to buy. And by the way, I love the cover too. Yeah, me too. So th- this one takes off a couple of boxes for key issue because there's the first appearances and there's multiple ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes people want to collect a book because they like a particular creation, like creative team. Yeah. And Claremont and Byrne um, is very popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also a key issue could be part of a really important story arc. And uh, the Dark Phoenix exactly. saga is it's, you know, enormous. It's huge. It's probably the biggest storyline in the X-Men's history they've been because they've been telling it over and over and over yeah, again. they can't get tired of it <laughs> something that that stands out for me like if you collect for art one thing that I really like about this one and it's such a funny little detail is where Wolverine hits look at the little sparkles and to me that was so great like I could hear that sound effect mm-hmm. and for those of you who just take a look you can see where his claws went I love his Ting. face yeah oh I love the way Burn. I love the way Burn drew Wolverine he, he loved Wolverine yeah he really did and here's another good first, a character first. This one I really like. This is one we talked about mm. uh, when, in one of your comics and cocktails. This is a classic first. It's a yeah. first and a first, like the example of this, the Star Wars, but this is um, not a first 
by a character, but a first in her own title, right? And another version of that is here's a first in his own title. So what you'll notice is here's a first in her own title out of one, and here's a first in his own title out of 169. Mm -hmm. So I believe he was in Strange Tales. They they changed the name of the book, right? And they wanted to give him his own title, so he gets a Doctor Strange. But it's a 169. (laughs) And so there's this, this good little trick which if you were out buying comics and you don't know that, oh, it's Doctor Strange 169, you would maybe not find those special. This is why, I guess, why this idea is. You go out, you see a 169, nobody knows it's the first. Yeah. You snap it up and you get a great deal. This one, obviously, it says right on it, first issue. Fabulous first you would, issue. Yeah, exactly. All and out action. One of my favorite lines of the female fights back. Where is that? There, the female fights back. Oh, nice. Yeah, I love that. And she's got the fair hair. Yeah, we'll talk about this one down the road in specific. We'll talk about this one in specific. But this gives you two examples of the kinds of firsts for characters. And again, I like the idea of not knowing, you know, if you came into this new and you weren't sure, oh, this is the first Doctor Strange in his own title. And I believe there's a Captain America that the 100 is the first one in his own, isn't it? Is it the 100? Yeah, I don't know the number, but that's... uh... Yeah, so that's exciting there. But here's another thing that I like. And again, this is not a first, this is a second. So yeah, you can have a key issue that's a second. And you would say, why would a second be interesting? Well, a second with other elements becomes collectible, becomes a key for me. So there are three or four things with this one. Ryan brought one up. What did you say about this that you noticed and liked? Um, you liked the, the invisible. Yeah. I mean, you're invisible and then you're wearing a costume yeah. with a hat. It's pretty great. It's a, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. No, it's, it's a you know, weird choice. You know what that guy's called? The invisible destroyer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What I liked about this, you also pointed out this one had that classic yeah, terse. Yeah, exactly. not even green lantern's mighty power ring can stop me from setting off this atomic bomb explosion it's a classic old-fashioned comic exposition dialogue he's exclaiming his thought yes he says his thought (laughs) which is great i liked it what makes it collectible for me is yes it's a second hal jordan who's the green lantern but it's got an atomic bomb cover which I like, and studs it in a time period. So again, here's another thing that can make a key issue is if there's something that's contextual from the time period and it really stands out on a cover, that can be collectible. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you get to decide if it's collectible for you, right? Yeah, for sure. Look, He looks like Will Ferrell there. He looks exactly <laughs> like Will Ferrell. There you go. Hey, Hollywood, pay attention. The other thing that I really like about this one is I like the pink wash. Mm-hmm. I like when they have... Uh, clashing or nutty colors. This is not a great version. Um, I believe this comic is... What, a, what year was that? Do you know? Uh, was it be, would it be 56, I think? So we'll look it's at... 10 cents. That's usually... Yeah. Uh, I think we'll say uh, Green Lantern Showcase 23. Well, what we can do is just a second here. You quick take a look at that. I think it's 56. Yeah, I'll talk about the... Yeah. So we're talking about covers now. So that, that's another thing. Like You decide what's a key issue. And one of the things that makes it collectible are there's some iconic covers... Um, so here's, uh, one that I love and, uh, what a great team this is, you know, Wolverine, Captain America and the Black Widow. Oh yeah. Um, and that's drawn by Jim Lee. That's uh, Uncanny X-Men Beautiful 268. And, uh, that's a kind of a hard to find book and it's, you know, usually in this condition, um, you'd have to pay like 20, 25 bucks for that. Uh, or if you buy it in the 
Black Friday week-long sale in your local comic shop. You can pick it up for nine bucks. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did that this year. I picked up a whole bunch. So, um, yeah, but it was I was lucky to find this one. I've been looking for it for a while, and I just love the cover. Yeah, the cover's great, and what I like about it is, of course, and we talked about this, I like that triumvirate. I like those three characters together, and I love the World War II aspect of this, that they mm, have these shared, cool story. these shared histories. And, uh, and on that same theme is uh, another great X-Men artist is Paul Smith, and I have a couple of his covers here. And uh, I love the Kitty one. It's great. Yeah, and and we talked about this, that, that Kitty Pride... It's been like this again and again and again. You've seen a cover like that. Yeah. Um, it's better than a Girl in Trouble cover, but it is like a Girl in Trouble cover. What sells it for me is it's not just a Girl in Trouble. Look at the look on her face. Cut, cut yeah. back to the to the one shot again, please. Yeah. Look at the expression on her face and the, and, a, and the look of her hands there. To me, she's not knocked down and staying down. She's, yeah, she's getting, getting up. up. And I love that. And And this, as a kid, you see that. Imagine if you were a young girl, this would be a really interesting cover for you because it will be relevant to you. You have a daughter. I have a daughter. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of girl you want your daughter to grow up to be. You can't knock me down. I'm not staying. I really like that cover. And what do you like about this uh, this rogue and uh, Wolverine cover? Um, the, just the perspective is great. Like, you know, he, he's using the use of perspective here. So he's bigger and in the foreground. And she's in the back and he's just really coming for you. And then the way he draws the claws. And like the the expression on his face, um, it kind of shows like how like the emotions there, like his anger mm -hmm. and hurt, and um, that's a sad storyline. That's when he goes to Japan and he gets stood up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was good. The next one is the one with the her, with yeah, right on the cover. <laughs> yeah. Um. So these again, these aren't valuable comics. Like they're not really. If you want to buy them, they they they're not cheap, but they're not expensive, and you can get in and enjoy them for the covers. And that's one of the best things about key issues, again, is you get to decide what's a key issue for you. Can we cut to the iPad for a minute? Cut to that Green Lantern iPad? Yeah, there you go. So this is a digital version of that comic, and this shows that color pop oh, wow. on that. But as you go inside, uh, one thing that we can see in this comic, the interior of it, it's very 50s. It feels very 50s. Oh, the wow. styles, right? Yeah, exactly. I don't, when I buy a key issue, I don't necessarily read it. Like sometimes I don't, I don't, I don't buy them for money. Like I don't buy it and put it in a bank mm -hmm. or whatever. But with an issue like this, um, when you can get it digitally, yeah. that's a nice bonus because I can leave it in the bag. And again, this title, we go back to uh, our wide camera again, you see I bought my version. If you want to get cut to the overhead, yeah, sorry. It's rough. If I opened this up and looked into it, you know, it was, yeah, let's quite say- quite a bit of spine damage. Yeah. Just reading it would be- It would be rough. It it's it a $50 comic. Oh, I don't have the cover in it. Uh, it's a $50 comic the way I bought it. And I maybe paid a little bit less for it, but it's a couple hundred bucks if you got it in pretty good shape. It's a comic book that you want to get in digital. And so sometimes, again, please cut back to the iPad. We'll be doing this sometimes as we'll be showing you when we can. We get a digital comic of some of the more valuable comics because, you know, you don't want to open them up. You don't want to rip them. But here's an example by what I saw about with the color. I think that those colors, if you think about the, that really crazy bright purple and green are yeah. used in comics so much and i think it's because of the quality of the paper that they were printed on when they were on the old like more newsprint that had like a brown tinge to it 
um, when they use that color, yeah. it really stands out. And that's why if you think about how many characters have that color scheme, like in Marvel, it's nuts. Like mm-hmm. the Hulk and the Green Goblin and like it just goes on and on. You see those colors used together. I just think it might be because that they look really colorful on the page. You know, yeah. And you know what else it is? If you think about it, over time, they might have even been so... Uh, so focused on kids and just like pop eye popping weirdness yeah, yeah, that yeah. that interior of that that showcase 22 is sort of or 23 anyway it fits this idea that you just want to get that attention yeah. and hold it let's talk about something else uh, and you just put yours out there the yeah. idea of getting them signed so this is another uh, thing that makes a key issue it's more about like uh, i don't know maybe more sentimental or reminds you of a specific time so i don't go to a lot of comic book conventions i've only been to a couple um, one of the ones I went to is Fan Expo in, in Toronto, here in uh, Ontario. And uh, I was lucky enough to meet and talk to Frank Quiley. He's one of my favorite artists for a while. He's a very, very nice guy. And I got him to sign this issue of uh, first issue of Batman and Robin, which is uh, one of my favorite runs, written by Grant Morrison, who's like got to be in my top five writers of all time. Uh, the interesting dynamic in this comic we were talking before the show is how it kind of reversed the whole Batman and Robin uh, because this is Dick Grayson as Batman uh, with Damien as Robin. So you've got the grim, violent Robin and then uh, more lighthearted uh, kind of Batman. And I love that dynamic. Mm-hmm. I, could, I could have read that book forever. It was great. And the other one is like a, a great, amazing Spider-Man arc that focused on the lizard as the villain. Um, and it's, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce the name, but Kevin Coley maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably Kevin Coley. Kevin so Coley. He, yeah, he's a great artist. And Dan Slott, the writer, uh, he was just there like a, uh, I had to line up for a while to meet quietly, but Dan was just kind of sitting by this Fantastic Four uh, thing, just chatting with people. It's pretty uh, cool. Yeah. And I'll throw a couple of mine up that I got signed that you maybe haven't seen. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, again, I know I've, this is covered you're covered by the Certificate of Authenticity. We'll try and move this aside. Yeah, so I have that certificate, so mine are just considered cover damage. <laughs> <laughs> well... There's a couple ways, like Ryan's story is my story here with the Southern Cross, Becky Cloonan. So I went to Fan Expo and interviewed Becky for her Conan work. Oh, nice. And she was selling this. So I got to buy this from Becky. And that's great when you can buy it from the artist or from the writer. It's more meaningful for you. I think it's more meaningful for them too, right? So when I picked this comic up and she and I had a chat, we had a great interview. She's a really really good interview. I, I really enjoyed talking to her. So of course I wanted to buy the comic from her. And that adds a lot of meaning. It's not something that I'm going to open and read again, yeah, yeah. because I like that. I like the story of that. And then the second one here is Paper Girls. And of course, I just bought this online. Like I decided oh, wow. yeah, that I wanted it signed. I read Paper Girls. I loved Paper Girls. Yeah, it's good. My wife was a paper girl. I was a paper boy. You've read it too, right? Yeah, yeah. It's so, great. so great. And well, I Midtown just. Midtown Comics, I've been there. Yeah, exactly. And I love the feel. And I literally, you know, this is. Some people don't like this. I went online, looked for it signed, and found it signed by everybody and said, that's. I, I made the decision. So you can buy a key issue cheap and get it signed. You can buy a key issue and pay what this might have been, maybe 28 bucks for three. And the first one signed. And I wanted to go back and get them first uh, first runs. So that was a nice way to buy it. Yeah, that's a great story. When I was there, they because of their location in New York, they get artist signings oh, and writers yeah. in there all the time. Tons and then sometimes they, if they had 
don't go out, like sell them all. They just have them on their shelf. So when I was there, I picked up uh, the massive number one and it has was signed by Brian Wood and had the, yeah. the, uh, the certificate of authenticity, the exact same it's one. And fantastic. it was cover price. Yeah, that's that's crazy. If you can get in, like some of you obviously will live in the city and if you can get into a comic shop on the right day, you know, when the one in a hundred variant yeah, or yeah. whatever, and you just have your timing down. And that's something I was going to talk about now is, you know, another type of key issue is a variant. But first, I happen to see this here. Here's another type of key. Can you guess what that key is? It's a, it's a good little trick. So that's a different kind of key. Is that the first time that Deadpool and Cable were like together? It might be, but that's not what makes it jump out for me. See, I wonder if you even if you if you Google it, X Force fifteen. Let's see if somebody puts it up. So at nine eight, that's only a seventy dollar comic. That's a Capullo cover. Oh no way! Yeah, and it might be. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's his first. Capullo, that's the first Capullo cover in uh, X-Force. So he had done Gore Shriek, 86, yeah. and he did that whole run. And then I think he came in and he might have done the interior of 14. And then he did the cover of 15. And he had done, um, oh, I'm not going to remember that, Quasar or something like that. Anyway, this was his jump to X-Force and he gets a great cover and he gets Deadpool. So you've got Deadpool, who's hot. And you've got Capullo, whose work I just love. And, and so to me, that's a, great, that's a great key, again, for me. But you can go and buy that pretty cheap. And I don't know that anybody cares about this. And again, when we go into the podcast as a whole, we might spend you know 20 minutes talking about this and why we like it and what's good about it. And I think we're going to see Cable come up in a Deadpool movie too. Yeah, it was teased at the, well, I don't know, maybe spoiler. I haven't seen it. <laughs> Ever seen it? I don't care about teasers. He's on the internet. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw the movie, mm. like, uh, and it's it was great. I, I actually had fairly low expectations. I Did thought you? it was going to just be okay, um, but it's hilarious. Perfect, and that's an example of another key, as you noted. When you see a title that has a character that comes up in a show, in yeah, a movie, yeah. that's awesome. Well, that's exa- and here that, we that's go. exactly why I bought this, actually, because um, I recently got this. I got a good price for it. It was hard to find. So another great cover, that's Alan Davis. I love the way he draws the blow-dried um, look, look at Sabretooth's blow-dried hair there. It's amazing. Um, it's the era. So this is not the first appearance of the character Psylocke uh, because I think she was in an English comic, Captain Britain first, maybe number eight. I, I'm not 100% sure. And then she was in a New Mutants annual. Um, but this is when she's first in the X-Men and she first kind of becomes Psylocke. She was in those other books, I think, as Elizabeth Braddock, Captain Britain. Yeah, Betsy Braddock. Yeah, yeah. Betsy Braddock. Um, and this is also a key one because it's part of the uh, Mutant Massacre storyline, which is a great uh, X-Men story. I remember buying that one and being really excited about it. Like, I love that cover. And it's it's a classic Marvel cover there. And look at that. You can get that one oh, pretty yeah. cheap. That's not an expensive comic. No. So there's a 9.8 that's 180, but that's way overpriced. Yeah, that's overpriced. This and is going to go up in value, though, after the movie comes out. Oh, for out. sure. And speaking of movies, that's why I'd like to show this. So here's uh, Miller's Chrononauts, if we can... I got a bunch of them here. There's the first one. Um, A weird kind of random thing can happen with keys. So I decided this is key. (laughs) You know what I mean? Nobody else has decided that. I mean, some people might buy. There are some variant covers that came out. It's a four-issue run. Uh, And I didn't actually buy these. I had my cousin. I said, oh, pick them up for me in the city because we live in a small town. 
But what, what happened was this. We're making a documentary on the history of Conan the Barbarian. We're working with Chris Morgan. Mm-hmm. Chris Morgan had just bought the rights to Chrononauts. Oh, no way. Yeah, so Miller tends to do these titles that become, he gets a few, and it becomes a movie, yeah. and then he moves on. And he's, I like his work. A lot of people have complained about him over the years for various political reasons or whatever. I enjoy his work. This is pretty dark, and it's pretty cool. I love time travel. It's a key for me. Nobody else will think it's key because a guy that I know is working on the right. the movie. So that's exciting. And this is, again, there's a sort of speculative element at work here, isn't yeah, there? Yeah. Do you want to think that it will become a movie that becomes popular? Do you want to think someone will love it down the road? Will it become a hit? And then everybody will wish they had it. That's the fun of buying these up. There's another kind of key I want to point out. And that's what we see here. Now, for those of you who know, this is kind of an underrated title. It's Frank Miller's first touch on Daredevil. Now, Frank Miller defined Daredevil. Oh, for sure. Frank Miller and Daredevil are, if you were going to say, what are absolutely key issues out of the whole mid to late 80s Miller and Daredevil. And this was when he first got his hands on Daredevil. So, Born Again, that storyline, it just sort of set the tone for so many books that came after it in the 80s and, and the more dark, if you want to say, like adult tone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not an expensive title. I think I, I probably paid, uh, I think when it came up, it was uh, 25 bucks or less for a 7.5. Now, I would have rather not had a 7.5 and the shipping was expensive, ridiculous. Oh, yeah. But it was one that I never, I, when I wanted it, I couldn't see it. I, like I wasn't able to find this anywhere. So I saw it for, you know, reasonable money and, and picked it up because I loved it. I loved the idea that, oh, there's that one. And by the way, there's something about it that for those of you that know your comics history, how Kirby is this? Yeah. It's so Kirby. Yeah. That, that is Jack Kirby. 100%. Totally. And even the way he's drawn, you know, the, the, the highlight, the sheen of the metal. Anyway, I liked this cover. I love the what he's saying here. Spider-Man <laughs> saying, to, saying exactly. to Daredevil, I sense deadly danger, yeah. Daredevil, but I can't see it. I'm blind. And Daredevil, ah, oh, boo. <laughs> blind all the time, know, man. You're blind it's now. so classic. <laughs> yeah. And that's why he's mad, by the way. Yeah, it looks like he's shoving him as well. Like, Old Hornhead is, is, fur- is furious. Marvel's TV sensation. Yeah. I, actually, that's something I don't like about this. And I think that this whole, this whole <laughs> series was never collectible as a result. What TV are they referring to? Like, not that... that, 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 that it, no. Cartoon. <laughs> it was the... There was an old Spider-Man series that was for kids, and I think uh, Spider-Man, His and Amazing Friends... His Amazing Friends, Friends was like... Yeah, uh, I think so. Oh, yeah. But did you see who inked this? Cockrum. Holy crap. Yeah. And it's it's inked. If you think about it, it's inked pretty hard. Like he yeah, stamped there's it. There's a right? lot. He really stamped like, it. Like So like, he might have. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Dave Cockrum uh, worked on a lot of the titles that Ryan collects, yeah. the X Men titles. So I'd like if you ha- do you have a Cockrum that you could pull up? Oh no, no not not either. right here. So I, I just want to turn around and grab something. And, and Ryan, if you want to talk, if there's another type of key issue, something else that you can have as an example, I'm going to go back to my pile, which is totally unpro. But uh, I just want to get another type of key and show something specific. What do you got? You got a hint over there? I I'm got something. Looking over. I think, so talk about key Event. Issues. Whoa. Yeah, the big event. I was going to say, I was talking about events and, and character death. And this one is both of those 
not this issue specifically, but it happens during it. We got our events. Yeah. First issue, spectacular. So comic book companies, like, they're businesses and they want to make money. So one way to get you to buy more comics that you don't already buy is to once a year have, like, a big event that's a crossover. And uh, if your uh, comic book fans know, either love crossovers or hate them. They have a love-hate relationship. Because sometimes you get great work. Um, unfortunately, most times you don't. And it's... Uh, <clears throat> So if you're reading one particular book, there'll be a big storyline that other books tie into it. This one was kind of different. This is like a whole universe-changing event for DC. It really shook up the fabric of um, the yeah. entire world for them. Um, and kind of, because uh, they had like all these different multiverses. Mm -hmm. And this is just a way of sort of cleaning up because it got so complicated and there was different versions of like Superman on different worlds. and Yeah, uh, and DC had, was really guilty of that, I oh, think, yeah, at the time. But I also... I, I'd say this was probably the first. Like, I, I hate to say it because we haven't done our research. We're just talking about different keys. I think this was one of the, if not the first idea of doing that, of what they do now. That they're happy to boil it down and, yeah. you know, scorch the earth. But one thing I loved about this is uh, I love his art. Man, I mean, his art is amazing and it's so of its time. And one thing that for me is to see the detail that he gives to characters in the background, right? The, and again, you, you can go and get this title and take a look at it, but this is so much of its time, but yet sometimes you'll see, and I can, I can hold it up a little bit. Wow. He's not rushing like some artists when they're doing something big like that. They're in a way they're hurrying, but this is that very delineative style that, you know, um, very liney look. I think Leefield came out of this kind yeah. of style and Jim Lee came out of the style. I remember McFarlane. reading this like and getting it when it was coming out and I was like 13 at the time. And I remember thinking that the um, the story was just beyond me because I didn't have the background knowledge of the DC universe to mm -hmm. understand what was going on. And it's kind of complicated and dense storytelling anyway. Oh, yeah. um, and, but I just kept buying it because of the art. <laughs> yeah, it's, he, I loved his art. I, I, really, I really enjoyed him and I liked his Superman too. And you can just look forever. There's so many detailed panels inside, not just on the covers, where all the stuff in the background and the, and the characters. So you can just like spend uh, so much time looking at that. Now let's talk about variants. Oh, nice. So the whole variant thing, some people say it's a money grab and they're 100% right. Mm -hmm. But it's a money grab that I enjoy. <laughs> so yeah, I'm never like, that's a, a thing that I've never been that excited about. Like, uh, but um I have the odd one. Well, what we were talking about, I have like an early Batman, Snyder Batman. I can't mm -hmm. remember if it's number two or three. And it's a, uh, and I got the variant because I couldn't find um, the f first print of the original one, but I got a variant with that's a Jim Lee cover. That's really cool. Yeah, I love that cover. Yeah. Now, for me, there are two, two or three things at work here. I don't just buy any variant. I'm not that guy, but I love this variant because it's Kevin Eastman's Batman. He also has ones that you have to get through his fan club. Then there's the ones that, for those of you who know, there's sort of the sketch covers where if you yeah, get a chance cool. to go to a show or whatever, you get someone to sketch. And then here's a fun variant. Yeah, um, these are actually really cool. These were pretty fun. And, and again, I didn't buy this because I cared about the variant. I bought it because I just wanted to talk about it. I think it's such a great idea for a guy like my age. And that's what I wanted to put beside this. For me, you know, I like to have these both. I like to have them up and it's like a part of my youth, right? Yeah. So some variants are, or some key issues even, are just, they tug your heartstrings and they make you remember the old days. My God, that's such a great idea. Yeah, and the this, action figure covers are great. And oh, they have yeah. all different ones. Like, 
And the same could be said for the rap variants, right? That were popular. Yeah. The the what did they call them? The hip hop variants. And I think I have one here, but I, I won't pull that out. Uh, the idea of the variant again, it seems some people think it's a crass money grab, but if you're a collector, it's fun. And if mm-hmm. you want to put stuff up, sorry about that. If you put stuff up like I like to do, then these are great for that. And I think this one started going up like crazy. In fact, if I'm not mistaken. We could look it up. Anyway, it's not a big yeah. deal. This book is great. We're going to do on comics and cocktails. Um, now that Marvel's been publishing Star Wars comics again for a year and the movie just came out, uh, we're going to do an episode devoted just to these Star Wars comics and kind of decide if they're good or not. Because when they first uh, got the license back from Dark Horse, mm-hmm. um, I was skeptical. And I thought that uh, it's, they're just going to use the IP and just put out a bunch of crap. Yeah, just, you felt as It's like be. a license to print yeah. money. And I kind of felt bad for Dark Horse because they did a lot of great work. Um, their Star Wars oh, yeah. comics were amazing. Yeah. Um, and interesting thing too, if you're a Marvel Unlimited subscriber, which is the service where for a monthly fee like Netflix, you can uh, freely read in a digital device or the web. Uh, I think it's about 18,000 titles now. Um, wow. But because they got the license back, all of those Dark Horse Star Wars comics are on Marvel Unlimited. All of them. Like 110 oh, wow. different series. So it's great if you want to read like all these hundreds of Star That's a nice catch up. But... Um, I was surprised because they put their big name creators on this, like Jason Aaron's writing it, and Kieran Gillen is writing Darth Vader. He's good. He's good. And, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I don't want to get into too much detail and spoil that podcast, but I've read those two comics mm. and uh, I was picking up. Surprised. Yeah, they're very good. How about this? How about this kind of a key issue? Now I'm not an Avengers collector, but I collect something else. Look at this, Harlan Ellison. Ellison. Yeah, this has. This was in the shop like that. It's got a Harlan Ellison script. So as a, I'm also a book collector and I collected Harlan Ellison books for years and years and years. And I remember when getting an Ellison book was really exciting. And I remember when this came out, this was before I was old enough to have collected a lot of Ellison books. And this Mm -hmm. was one that I had. And the idea that, you know, he would write a comic book. It's not unusual. But it just so happens that this, you know, I don't collect Avengers. I'm not a big Avengers fan, but it's a writer that I like. And again, I have a personal yeah, connection. Cool. So that's one of those things. You could you could go through and pick up all kinds of things yeah, based yeah. on your own personal connection. And it says right on the cover too. Like his, his name's right on the cover. Yeah, that's it makes it cool too. It's awesome. And and you know what? It's it's also of its time, right? It's it's like it's a classic type. <laughs> classic Marvel. I must kill five innocent persons. So I think we've pretty much nailed it. Is there any other type of key that you'd like to point out? We haven't talked about the straight up investment key. Yeah, the straight up investment key is, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. But it's, I think that one point we didn't talk about was that the way that, uh, so the industry knows about this. So they don't just do alternate covers and variants as a way to uh, get you to buy additional comics. Um, anybody who's read comics for the last few years, um, just the there's there's a thing called the dreaded reboot. <laughs> so it's like they kind yeah. of create the illusion of a key issue where a title that's been running for years will suddenly end, and then next month it'll just start again yeah. with a new number one. And usually there's a shakeup in the creative team, but sometimes like not at all. But but I often like those because sometimes the new team is really good. Like 
Yeah. yeah that, like the Snyder Capullo Batman would be mm-hmm. an example. I'm, I'm not saying that was a crass reboot, <laughs> but that's an example of a reboot that I really like. Well, that came out of the whole uh, New, New 52, 52, which was yeah. a giant reboot because they basically reset their entire like uh, mm-hmm. line of comics and retold all the origin stories. And um, that kind of got me to DC. Like it worked as a marketing tool. Oh, I think it, yeah. the first, at least the first six months were uh, both, I think, uh, critically and commercially super successful. And, um, and then they kind of ran out of steam. When all the books got into their second story arcs, you can tell that they've really planned out, I think, the, what they were initially going to do. And they had to really nail the launch. And then once they did that, then it kind of meandered. I wouldn't want that job. <laughs> like, oh what's the new problem? What's the new way to approach this character who is 75 years old? Very complicated. Yeah. I think the one, maybe we'll do one more, <laughs> one more thing. Yeah, one more. Uh, and this, again, is a very strange little comic. Have you ever seen that? No. Yeah. It's Mark Asquith. Um, and it's The Prisoner. So I remember when he put this out, they, DC, put it out. Uh, I was really into the show, The Prisoner, Patrick McGowan show. Oh, yeah. And it's written by, yeah, well, it's amazing. And it's written by Mark Asquith, and it's a guy that I like, knew. So to me, this was really cool, and it was I don't say I don't think it's collectible. I don't think it was important. I don't think mm-hmm. it you know broke any records or did anything amazing. But to me, it's meaningful because it's something that I like, and that's the best kind of key of all. It's yeah. when you want it because it's for you. So I picked up like a massive stack of like stuff like exactly what you're saying, like comics that weren't in great condition uh, that aren't really collectible in terms of an investment. But they were just like mini series. Like I got like the, like um, like the X Men and Micronauts. I knew you were gonna say that. I, just, I actually what? could have read your mind. Yeah, and the Iliana Magic. Did yeah, you? That's, I got that one. <laughs> I knew it. And I got the Iceman one. Yeah, I was and totally gonna. And the Nightcrawler Beast. and the Beast. Dazzler and Beast. Yeah, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, I totally knew what you're gonna. That say. one's in terrible condition. Isn't that but, funny? Uh, Maybe I'm psychic. Yeah, and uh, X Men and Alpha Flight. Yeah, I yeah. I knew it. I got all of those. I knew you were gonna say that. I don't know why. Yeah, and they weren't that great. No. They're not collectible. They're not valuable. I have them too. And I bought them when they came out. And that was a time period when I think Marvel was testing, oh yeah, you can't get sick of the X-Men? <laughs> yeah. Let's try. And poor Claremont, because he was a, I don't oh. know if he was a control freak, but he really cared about his characters and I he know. wanted to be involved. Yeah. So they were like, well, we want to do this book and we're going to get somebody else to write it. But then he was like, no, I'll do it. No, like, I just want to, because that's my character. I'll do it all. And then he's just doing everything. And then like, well, we yeah. want another book about the younger sort of mutants. So like, well, I'll write that too then. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a, and we're going off on a tangent, but that's what this is all about. What happened with New Mutants? Why didn't that work? Like, it feels to me, when I was buying it, I thought, these Senkovich like, oh, I, like yeah, I thought, yeah. these are going to be amazing. Like the demon bear. Oh my them. god, so crazy! They were good, and then I I liked the book, and it felt different. Like I remember reading it. I was young at the time, and it it just felt mature, and yeah. it was like even though it was about kids, it's super dark oh, and yeah. heavy. Um, and then uh, Louise Simonson, her run, it starts off kind of rocky, uh, but then it gets really good. You're into those now, right? You're reading. I think. Yeah, but I think yeah. as a kid I was always kind of like oh, there's something missing for me uh, like the X-Men was all action and and, mm-hmm. and when think about what was happening at, during that time in the X-Men that's like when they were in um, Australia and people thought they were dead and the whole mm-hmm. siege perilous and mm-hmm. but then you've got this like other like more psychological like uh, yeah. I just want to fit in let's go to the mall and all oh, these other kids are popular and but so they're like strange. Uh, go to the Boston Academy and there are these other evil mutants and do you remember Lockheed uh, yeah. and then 
there were there were just elements to it that were so mojo verse. Yeah, it just weird. It just really strange, trippy. The mojo and then I ex, ex, and then Excalibur came out and it was even more. Yeah, like even more trippy and yeah. it was too weird for me then. But now I like it. And was that around the long shot? The mm-hmm. long shot run again. It's I looked very like strange. long shot while reading those books. <laughs> really? Yeah, I had the the mullet and the blonde. That's there. right. Yeah. What was that? Uh, Art Adams was that his name? <laughs> yeah. Art Adams. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah, really good. You see, there you go. We can go by writer. We can go by artist. You could go by colorist. I mean, you can decide mm-hmm. what you want to collect. For sure. And particularly um, by eras, like some people like a certain era of a certain, like you're going back and getting the Claremonts. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of work because he was a busy guy. You could, yeah, a lot. you could find any way that you design your collection and what you call key is up to you. If there's something you really know a lot about, and kind of enjoy doing like I don't think it's crazy to spend no. a lot of money on like a really key issue that you know is going to like at least keep its value and, and only go up and up and up and up um, well it's it, yeah it can't go down like what somebody said to me was I was looking at the uh, what's the first journey into mystery with the first Thor 83 uh, mm-hmm. I don't know the number but you know the comic I mean yeah, yeah Thor exactly on the cover is. whirling it um, in London have you seen the one he's got it signed by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee no, and and it's whatever it was uh, at the volume or at the uh, the value of it is not commensurate with the quality of okay, the yeah. title, but as he said, he said uh, Jack Kirby's not signing many comics these days. Yeah, that's true. So, you, you know, you come to this point where you think it's worth whatever anybody says it is, and if Jack Kirby's gone and you are a Kirby fan, it's worth it. Yeah. So the last thing I think we'll say then we'll, we'll go out is you and I were just very briefly talking about comic art. And I didn't bring any of my comic art here, but is that something that interests you? I mean, I told you about that beautiful Miller. Yeah, I recently found a website that's uh, there were that uh, it's advertised on the back of a bunch of comics right now where you can buy like original art and pages from like contemporary mm-hmm. books. And it's kind of reasonable. And uh, some of it's like really expensive. But uh, unbelievable. I think that... Um, yeah, it's something that I'm definitely interested in. Me too. And that, to me, that when you boil it all away, when, when you know, maybe somebody's wife or somebody's husband or somebody's mom or dad or whatever, whoever you wrestle with says, this is a waste of money. This is not worth yeah. it. I would say this is art at its base. Yeah. Boil it down. That's art. The comics are art. I'm curious. So what, uh, so the, it's usually pencil art of an original page that people yeah. are inking, right? So who are the artists that you'd want to collect? Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's a long list, probably. But yeah, just, just give me a couple. Yeah, I actually uh, Busema. Yeah, obviously Neil Adams. <laughs> obviously, you know, if you can get, I have a Neil Adams Conan at home. I have a, a John Busema Conan Punisher and Wolverine at home. All three on one page. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was a fluke find. I mean, it, it, I I would want to collect the the artists that everybody knows that everybody would collect. Yeah, yeah. Like I like Capullo. I would collect him. But, um, do you know, Carrie Nord? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I love Carrie's art. So, you know, probably lots of people would say, yeah, yeah, everybody wants him. Who would you want? Mm, well, Byrne, probably for sure. Yeah. Oh, be- beautiful um, line. And uh, Barry Windsor Smith. I was going to say, <laughs> again, I'm reading your mind. Yeah. X-Men 53, right? That, do you remember that cover? Yeah. 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 That's his first. And then the life death stuff later. And there's that one cover too that's like two. 14, I think the one beautiful after storm. this storm. Yeah, it's like all pink and like, yeah. it's like it's... Um, yeah, Barry's good. Like, Barry would be great. You're right. I, I love Frasetta, obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, 
you've seen what's here. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, we'll talk about comic yeah. art too and, and artists that we like and, and we'll highlight that. But again, we've gone on for plenty and, and you're trying to introduce the subject matter and of course we go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> but comic art is art, comics are art and the money that you spend, if you like it, it's money well spent and if it's money that's not wasted, it's again, money well spent. Yeah, for sure. It makes part of like what this makes this hobby great is the that collectible aspect. Like it's fine just to buy the contemporary comics and read them and enjoy mm-hmm. the story and feel like you're part of this ongoing narrative. Uh, but it'll get it gets everybody eventually. The, the once you get into that, you'll be like, well, I want to go back and find out what happened. Yeah. And then you start looking online now, which is great. Yeah. And uh, everybody has those key issues. Yeah. So collect your own key issues. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want to let us know about them, you can send us an email at keyissue at fopop.com and we'll answer back we'll tell you what we think we would buy and you tell us what you think we should buy or what you should buy and as we collect titles we'll bring them in and talk about them try to do one at a time so you might bring one i might bring one yeah and we'll go into a little more detail like so i'll say this is the key issue and this is why it is a key issue and we'll go through it like the the story and And hopefully and hopefully this right here where are my hands there we'll be able to open them up and examine them. Some of them, obviously, we can't. The ones that are slabbed, we'll try to get them digitally, which is always part of the challenge. Anyway, thanks very much. Yeah. Uh, we're at this camera. Look at it. I'm looking into the camera. Are you? I am. Are you making awkward eye contact? I'm just trying not to cough. Yeah, you've flu. done a good job. Thanks. So let's not use his mic. Thanks very much. Once again, here at Faux Pop Station, this is Key Issue. I am Randall Lobb. And I'm Ryan Buckley. We'll see you next time. Take care.